0: Welcome to the third edition of the Summer Racing Podcast for 2022-23. We're flying through the summer now already up to the Rainer Transport Conquering Stakes, a program that also includes the Alpha Bowl and the three-year-old trophy. I'm Matt Reid on behalf of Taz Racing and let me welcome in my sparring partner. He's an owner, he's a form student footy coach. He does heaps, this bloke, and that's Bear Robinson. How are you, mate?
1: Hey, snap! Thanks for that introduction, mate. Very nice. I'm also got a plastering business, Robinson Plaster. If anyone needs some plastering done, but probably don't ring me before Christmas.
0: Well, uh, we were just discussing that off air. It's a busy time of year uh, on the track and and everything else happening. Trying to get. A lot done before Christmas, but we're not here to talk about that. Another big podcast, (laughs) we're going to touch on uh, the Golden Mile meeting. Of course, we're going to look at the Launceston program. Those three features there. Our special guest is champion jockey Brendan McCool. Uh, We've got Bear's brief snapper special, and we won't forget it this week, Bear. We've got to touch on the $100 strategy. Uh, You got off to a flyer on uh, Newmarket night, and, and I've got a bit of ground to make up
1: little bit, but it's only early, mate. I'm sure you'll bounce back. Obviously, you're the professional amongst us, so um, I look forward to hearing what your staking plan is tonight. Don't shake your head, mate.
0: (laughs) There's nothing professional at all about anything I do. Uh, Let's start with the Golden Mile meeting in Devonport, mate. It was a pretty dirty day uh, from a personal standpoint. I, I found a lot of horses that firmed a lot in the market, but... Um, uh, they never really gave me much of a run for the ticket. Uh, the gold mile was of course won by the up-and-coming Ryzen Light for French born trainer Gates and Delon, who I believe is dating Amber Keys. That's right. Yes, Bear? that's right.
1: Yeah, that's correct. It was a really strong win. Um Gaten, obviously, has learned a lot off Johnny Keyes over the last few years, and uh, the horse did have a little stint down at Seven Mile while Gaten and Amber went away on a holiday, I, I believe. So, um, you know, the horse is going really well. We got a gun run the other day, and he he, he, uh, he out-toughed the old war horse, Sir Simon, who I thought was a really good run with 59 kilos. So it'd be interesting if the form stands up out of the race because, obviously, it was a bit of a roughhouse affair. A few of the horses... Didn't quite get the best run in transit, so it'd be interesting to see how many back up in the race uh, Friday week heading towards the Devonport Cup.
0: Yeah, there was a bit of change mid race, but basically one two in the run early were Sir Simon and Rising Light, and eventually Rising Light sort of eased out of the speed battle and got the run of the race. But I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, Bear, and and you've had a lot of history coaching footy teams, but you'd probably look at the. Golden Mile like a qualifying final, the Sheffield Cup like a prelim, and then the (laughs) Devonport Cup's the granny. Obviously, you've got to get through each time, and I think there'd be quite a lot of horses in this race that probably feel like the Devonport Cup campaigns are still on track, even though they didn't win.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why you get the double chance, isn't it? Finishing high enough and <clears throat> a horse out of that race that I still want to follow is amazing. I know it was reported that it was a bit disappointing, but they got more checks in a bank at about the 600. So um, I thought it uh, still hit the line really well. And there's another one out of the race, probably not so much from a Devonport Cup point of view, but I reckon when they get back on the grass, I reckon travelling gigolo over 2,100 metres might be one that's... Um, worth a little nibble. I thought it was hitting a line pretty well from well back in the field.
0: Yeah, very much agree. Just a few running through them, my thoughts on the Golden Mile. So one forty-one oh six was the time. It's just over a second outside the track record. So a reasonable gallop, but just under three lengths slower than White Hawk uh, when winning last year. Uh, Rising light, yeah, I thought run of the race there and the weight swing was big late. It reminded me a little bit of uh, my word is winning the Sheffield Cup last year, just got the right run. Whether he's got the out-and-out class to win a Devonport Cup probably needs to be proved. Uh, Sir Simon, just honest as the day is long. Can he win a race like the Devonport Cup, just carrying those big weights and being a sitting shot late? That's kind of the challenge for him, but... Gee, you know what you're getting with him. He's just a, an old war horse, as you say. Reward Achiever, a really good run. Maybe pocketed slightly um, when needed to be fully extended. But again, he's a horse that maybe Denport Cup is on track, although there were some earlier reports he might be, sorry, she might be reset for um, but, uh, the Vamos. Uh, White Hawk just has to go in everything when getting out in trip. Loom to win again. Uh, just what a horse he is. Argyle Beach, I mentioned it last week. Bear, he was placed in a race that he couldn't win. He went super. He just looks all over a Longford Cup chance. Uh, Dramazing, absolutely plunged 8.50 into 3.90. Um, Pretty sick, to be honest, inside draw. Shuffled back, as you said, got spat out coming off the back straight. Looking at the sectionals here, the 600 to 400, she was betted only by travelling gigolo. And then the 400 to the 200, she was actually the quickest in the race to Dramazing. Dharma sort of went to the line untested late. So I thought the sectionals kind of backed up the eye a little bit and that she was unlucky and um, you continue to to follow her. I'm not sure what sort of price you might start in the Devonport Cup. I think we were kind of along the same path as a lot of others in that $10 was just simply the right price, a uh, wrong price about her. And she was backed right in. I agree. Travelling Gigolo is a, a horse on the up. Very good here. Bell Ringer Boy was kind of the same as well. I'm not sure where his race will be. He hasn't really proven uh, that he's an out-and-out stayer, but definitely got a good turn of foot when uh, the race shape allows. sheborn Rebel, unfortunately, doesn't appear to have really come up this prep bear, and a couple that are looking for the major cups, the risk factor in Glass Warrior will be better for the run, and, and Brendan McCool kind of alludes to that a little bit later on.
1: Got nothing to add there, mate. I agree with everything you've said. Yeah. Uh... And obviously with a risk factor, once it gets back to and I think we'll see the best of him there. As I said, I think you've summarised that race very well.
0: So we'll move on from Devonport. I thought that the support program, as we touched on when we previewed, the meeting kind of left a little bit to be desired. We'll kind of learn a bit more going forward, but I don't think we need to touch on that anymore. But uh, nice to be back in Devonport. And uh, the Sheffield Cup is the next lead up there ahead of the Devonport Cup. I just mentioned the ride of the risk factor or the run of the risk factor. Brendan McCool had the steer there. He is our guest on this week's podcast bear. Let's have a listen to the chat with uh, one of the state's best jockeys for a long period of time. Another summer racing carnival. You've had plenty of these. Uh, How's the body holding up for you? I know you had the knee injury, kept you out of action for a while. Yeah, no, it's, it's progressing pretty well. Um, I'd like to think it'll just continue to get better and better, um, get a little bit of puffiness in it still. But other than that, um, it works pretty well and, and I'm feeling pretty good. Weight's not too bad for me. So, yeah, it's all, all going pretty well. Speaking of your weight, I'd see your rides in Launceston. The, the, the lowest is 57. Is that about where you're going to be for the carnival?
2: I'd like to think I might get down a kilo lighter than that. Um, I'm sort of riding 57 and, and, um, you know, in the past I've probably been, um, it's been a comfortable-ish weight for me, Um, but I feel pretty good at the weight at the moment, so I feel pretty confident um, that when I need to, I can get down a little bit lighter than
0: that. All right, so the punters will take a guide. If we're seeing you get to 56, it might be a good winning chance.
2: I'd like to think so, you never know. But, um, yeah, look, If, if obviously I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be taking 56 ride unless I thought it was a, a nice ride or a good chance. So, um, yeah, that might be a bit of a guide,
0: actually. All right. Well, uh, before we get to Launceston on Wednesday night, um, just doubling back to Devonport, you had the risk factor in the Golden Mile. How did you assess him?
2: Yeah, I thought he was fair. I, I, to be honest, I think he's he's one of those horses. He doesn't really show form until he gets over a, a trip, um, I know he was first up obviously, Adam's aware of that and so he, he ran in first up over a mile which was a perfect kick off for him but um, you look back over his form he really doesn't show form until he gets over 21 so I, I thought it was a satisfactory effort He's he's, um, been, he's been a horse that can lay in a
0: little bit in his races and his mannerisms were good so that was encouraging for him going forward but um, yeah, I think we'll see the best of him when he gets out over at 2100 at least yeah, definitely at, at Launceston. He seems to love that track, that's for sure. Uh, terrific night of racing in Launceston uh, on Wednesday night. We'll start with the concrete. It's, it's had a few iterations over time, but looking back through the history, and this is a race you've won on a, on a few occasions, uh, Colonel Parker for Billy Ryan, 20 grand for Gary White, of course Admiral and I'm Wesley in recent times. It's a It's definitely a good horse's race and you've got the up-and-coming rebel factor in the conquering. Um, I mean, he, he couldn't have done much more going into this, could he?
2: No, look, he's been, been super impressive. He's been a, a promising horse um, right through his short career. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's done everything he can do and this is obviously his biggest test. Um, but I, I feel as though he's done enough to warrant Throwing him in the deep end, he, he might be, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about him in 12 months' time um, as a life chance in these races. And I, I think he's a sneaky chance in this race, but I, I think he's a horse that's going to continue to improve with a bit of age and a bit of time. He's still got a lot of upside and still got a lot of improvement, I feel, but um, he certainly uh, warrants plenty of thought in the field.
0: As someone that's, that's ridden this horse, particularly in recent starts, you mentioned with time, do you have a gut feel, Brendan, around what uh, Rebel Factor's best distance may be? Is it is it shorter? Is it is it weight for age? I guess it's it's probably still a little hard to tell. Yeah, it is a bit hard to
2: tell. He's one of those horses that he certainly sprinted really well first up over eleven hundred, and and then he was good enough to win again over eleven hundred. But he did give me the feel last start, like he would have appreciated stepping straight out to the twelve or even fourteen. So. I've got no doubt that uh, the, the 1400 will be um, be a nice sort of distance for him. Uh, certainly it was something the, the mother was very proficient at, the sort of sprint middle distance races. So I'd be pretty confident he'd run a very strong mile, this horse. Whether he gets further than that or not will be hard to say, but I, I certainly think the 1400 will be a, a nice trip for him third up.
0: Well, it was a dif- different iteration, but you did win a conquering back in 2013 on Rebel Bride. It didn't have listed status then, but it was still a 1400 metre weight for age. So, looking at sort of the the race tomorrow night, Brendan doesn't look to be a stack stack of speed on paper, and and you've unfortunately drawn the widest marble. Have you thought about tactics for the conquering? Yeah, look, I just had a quick look. I'm initially quite disappointed
2: at the barrier he drew. I just really thought he'd get a lovely run if he drew a gate. Um, And I'm not sure that he'll have the pace to sort of bounce out and scream across from a wide alley, even though, like you say, there doesn't look to be um, an immense amount of pace in the race. Certainly there's enough good horses in there that they're not going to let me just do what I want in the race. And um, it'll be no doubt a bit of a tactical race too, so – yeah, I'd love to think there'd be a, from that gate there'd be a bit of pressure and a bit of speed on, and he'd just be able to settle back and give him his chance to track on the back of something and, and get home. But at the end of the day, um, when the when the race is like that, you've drawn awkward. There'll be a fair bit of seeing how we bounce out the gates and um, seeing what unfolds in the first two or three hundred metres.
0: Yeah, and a, a bit of rain about in Launceston earlier this week, I, I think they've had more than we've had down in the south of the state, but um, it, it probably looks as though we'd be racing on a, at least a six, you would have thought?
2: Yeah, well, I I, I don't think that'll hurt his chances, um, I, I mean, I hope we have a fair playing field, that, that track obviously drains amazingly well, so... Um, Yeah, so we'll see how it comes up on the night, but um, I'll certainly have a good look at the track. But um, the way it's been, it's been quite firm um, in recent meetings, not too firm, but it has been on the firmer side of uh, four. So um, we might get into a
0: little bit more give um, on Wednesday night, which uh, won't be a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Looking at your other rides in the other feature races on the program, Brendan, both for Adam Trinder, Sort of looking back through your career, Adam isn't a, a trainer that you've done a stack of riding for, but particularly in the last couple of seasons, uh, you guys have formed a, a great partnership, a terrific strike rate. How has that sort of come about? Um, that's a good question. I think you
2: have to ask Adam, but we, we just, I think. I'd, I'd written for him little bits and pieces. I think he just had his riders, and and um, I just got an opportunity and got on a few, and, and was lucky enough to win on them at the right time. So things fell into place. Um, you know, like anything in life, if you if you get the get the luck and get the results, then um, you know it sort of can unfold from there. So I think it was just a little bit of in the right spot at the right time, to be honest.
0: Well, certainly, uh, well, maybe right spot at right time. But one horse that you've developed a fantastic partnership, of course, is Bello Bow. Uh, he's the short price favourite in the three-year-old trophy. Um, he just, I sort of have tweeted this a couple of times after his wins, Brendan, but he, he just seems so professional the way he puts himself into races and, and looks at least to my eye that he might have a, a little bit more to, to give if he was legitimately challenged in his races down here.
2: Yeah, look, I think he's um, – he obviously – he actually does do a bit wrong, but at the end of the day, he, he always puts himself up there on the speed and that, that takes a lot of luck, uh, bad luck out of the equation with a horse like him. He's obviously a, a high-class horse, so um, I think um, the fact that he's been able to keep himself up out of trouble and, and the ability he's got has taken him a long way. Um, having said that, I feel as though last start he – He's just starting to do a few things that give me the impression he is really starting to uh, become a race horse, and tactically uh, might be a, might add another string to his bow, which would be great to think that'll be a possibility, especially as he stretches out in trip a little bit more than just the. You know, he's been sort of exclusively up to twelve hundred at this stage, so it's his first look at the fourteen. So, um, yeah, look, he, he's he's. Certainly feels the sort of horse that he's going to continue to improve to me, and I do think when he does get challenged, he'll he'll certainly have something in the locker there to give. Um, He's sort of done it all pretty well at the moment, but this is still a nice race and first test over the 1,400. It'll it'll be interesting.
0: How does he compare to some of the other gun two-year-olds that that you've ridden? I mean, I touched on Admiral earlier as a conquering winner, but you've ridden some great two-year-olds bellow bows racking up a win streak do you think he he might potentially be something special
2: yeah no for sure and uh, and he's come out um which is all important in his three-year-old year year, albeit quite early but he's come out and he's um frank the form as a two-year-old which is great to see because they don't always do it sometimes you can ride really good two-year-olds that are just um really good two-year-olds but he's obviously um, made the step to to three-year-old and I'm sure he'll continue to make the step. So, yeah, at this stage, his two-year-old year year couldn't have been any better than what it was and um, at at this stage, um, the way he's shaping up, he's going to be a really good three-year-old and older horse which is, um, you know, if he could develop into one of those horses that uh, can can be a good horse year after year, they're they're hard to find. So he's shaping up as though he, he might be one of those rare horses.
0: Absolutely. It'd be great for the state if he develops into the next superstar, so to speak. Transitioning into the two-year-old race, you've got uh, Thoros of Myrrh, uh a first starter. Again, for Adam, you rode this horse in a trial. I've had a, a lot of random people just mention to me that uh, he might be pretty handy. It, it's another one that you've drawn well and must be pleased to have the sit on him.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I trialled him. Uh, last start at Launceston. Um, yeah, very, very impressive trialer. Um, you know, again, it's always interesting the first first starters are two year old. There's most of them in the race of first starters, and the horse of um, that trialled alongside him that ran second in the trial only just beaten, trialled quite well as also. So yeah, it'd be an interesting race, but. Um, I think he, he gave me the feel of a nice horse. I know Adam's got a, an opinion of him, which is always uh, good to know. He sort of legged me up thinking that he's, he's a nice two-year-old. So that gives you a bit of confidence and I'm sure he'll be able to um, take his trial form into the race on Wednesday.
0: Well, some good chances for you on Wednesday night. I, I won't ask you which one's your best because I'm – It'll probably be difficult for you to split a few of those and you've got a first starter. But um, just more broadly, Brendan, before I let you go, I mean you've been such a a champion jockey for a number of years now. Your partner Imogen's a trainer. Where do you sort of see yourself heading over the next few years? Look, I'll just continue to glide. You never know um, how long you can go. I've sort of
2: already probably gone longer than I, I thought. I would, and the body's held up quite well, apart from the odd niggling injury that that everybody gets. So, I mean, I'll just continue to do what I'm doing. I work with Imogen, and um, she does a good job and knows what she's doing. So, i just just in a track work role there. She's uh, she does a great job training the horses. So, yeah, look, I'll I'll just continue along, and um, like a lot of jockeys, I suppose I, I've I've given some consideration to what what might happen at the end of my riding career, but I'm still a little bit up in the air as far as that goes, to be honest, and at the moment, while things are going well, I'm just really um, putting all my efforts into riding. So for the foreseeable future, I'll continue to do that.
0: Well, hopefully that's for as long as can be. Um, Your first winner was in 1991, and I was five at that time, so you've been around Tassie Racing a lot longer than me. Um, at the moment we're seeing prize money increases, the implementation of the Tazbred scheme and a few new races appearing on the calendar. How do you see the the status of Tassie thoroughbred racing at the moment?
2: I think it's going along quite well um, but I, I think we can't drop the ball. We always have to, to look at um, improving um, consistently and, and continuously because Otherwise, we just do get left too far behind provincial uh, Melbourne and Sydney with their prize money is obviously amazing, especially in New South Wales. But, yeah, look, I I think um, signs are there, um, especially probably the last 12 months that, uh, that hopefully we headed in the right direction. But, yeah, we can't afford to drop the ball. It's sort of one of those things. Things can change very rapidly in racing. So... Hopefully we can um, continue uh, on an upward trajectory for the next um, or for
0: quite a long time. That would be great. Well said. Um, Brendan, I've probably kept you for a little bit too long. Really appreciate your time and best of luck with your chances in Launceston but also for the rest of the carnival. Great. Thanks, Matt. Great to have a chat with Brendan there, Bear, and he was really accommodating with his time, touched on all his horses. He's sort of a bloke that you'd love to Pick his, beer, uh, pick his brain over a scotch or a beer for a few hours and, and get his thoughts on life. But um, he's got some really nice rides in Launceston on Wednesday night. You'd think he'd be leaving with multiple winners. It'd probably be a par night.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, as I said, we're very lucky to have him on and he's been an ornament to the racing industry for over 30 years now. Um, he's one jockey that you'd love to have on any horse you you part own. Um, and as you touched on, he's got some a really good set of rides tomorrow night and I'd be quite surprised if he doesn't come away at least a double.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's transition into the Launceston program, Bear. Uh, the Conquering Stakes, of course, the feature was a race won by the little champ, the inevitable in 2021, and he is the favourite in 2022. Uh, rails in the true for the meeting, Bear. Pretty wet up in Lonnie. I think they've had more rain than we've had down south. It came up as a six uh, earlier on Tuesday morning. We we're recording this on Tuesday night. Forecast is a, is better on Wednesday. Um, track does drain super, but I'd be surprised if it, it got into the good range. I think they'll get their tart win, and kind of Brendan alluded to it when we had that chat. bit of natural precipitation will probably only help the track to race well, and that's normally the case up in Lonnie.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be racing on a soft five. It'd be perfect. Obviously, there's not really any rain predicted tomorrow, and soft six at the moment is just a soft six at the moment, as you say. But we get into a soft soft five. It's a perfect racing track, as, as Brendan and a few others have touched on. That it might be a touch hard at the moment. So, although it's been racing really fairly this season, I think tomorrow night a soft five'd be perfect for everyone.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, market for the Conquering. Currency of Ladbrokes, the inevitable is the $1.75 favourite in from $1.90. First accused is at $5. Uh, We're at uh, Rebel Factor and Alpine Wolf both at $8.50. Rebel Factor's eased from $6.50. Looking at the honour roll for this race, Bear, it's an absolute who's who of champions of, of Tassie Racing. Obviously, the inevitable one at last year, but Turak Affair, Blaze Forth, I'm Wesley, Admiral, Hell of a Street, Rebel Bride, Youthful Jack, Doubtful Jack, the great conquering himself. You, you don't win this race if you're a slouch, that's for sure. No,
1: nah, as you said, it's a long list of great winners. And um, yeah, I mean, whoever wins tomorrow night will be in that same echelon as well. So I'm um, looking forward to what, your opinion is on the race i've got my firm opinion but you might be slightly different to me
0: well i'll start just on the map for this race and i mentioned it when i spoke with brendan but it's a race that looks kind of devoid of speed on paper i've got probably dark wanderer or first accused leading probably dark wanderer leading first accused um Brendan didn't seem overly keen to want to roll forward on Rebel Factor, and, and I read something from Trent Wells earlier in the week suggesting that, that that's probably going to be the case as well. They'll try and ride a bit cold. So uh, it's probably not going to be run at breakneck speed. Uh, the new market is the key leader for the race bear, and that was a handicap. This is back at wait for aid, so obviously the little fella's a weighted special, and it's tough to argue he doesn't deserve to be, $1.80. dollar eighty.
1: Yeah, obviously I'm biased because I've got a small share in him, and I love the little fellow. But I was surprised that he went up a dollar ninety-five. I mean, I think his last two runs have been as good as he has has had throughout his career, and obviously they'll come up five kilos. He drops half a kilo. It's gonna be pretty hard to beat tomorrow night.
0: Well, there was a dollar ninety in this race last year, which came off a bit of a. An eye-catching, I'm back sort of run in the new market. Uh, the first four across the line last year are all in this race, so that was uh, the inevitable beating and beyond. Dark Wanderer and Mandela effect. Um, I marked the inevitable 230 in this race, bear, which is maybe being a little generous. And I'm sure if SnapBet <laughs> was offering a market, that we would have copped a fearful hiding putting him up in the black. I've got a pretty strong opinion in this race too, in that there's only two horses that can beat the inevitable, They're Swoop Dog and Rebel Factor. They're the two horses that are well and truly on the up in Tassie. I thought Alpine Wolf, sorry, I said Swoop Dog. I meant Alpine. You did. You're in
1: love with Swoop Dog, mate.
0: My my subconscious getting me. I I mean (laughs) Alpine Wolf (laughs) and Rebel Factor. I thought the Wolf was super in the new market. The weight swing's obvious. He's going to go 54 to 59. Uh, Rebel Factor is the horse on the up. My gut feel with Rebel Factor is that this race has come up a little bit quick for him. I've been driving the bus and him being the next star long before he went on this win streak. Uh, I just think it's probably a bridge too far to go from these 68 and seventy sixes up to 1,400 metres weight for age and, and take on the state's best. But he's untapped, so... He's a horse that might be able to upset the apple cart, and I think Alpine Wolf is a little bit the same, and it was really pleasing to see him uh, prove himself in the new market. So I, I've kind of marked that pair pretty aggressively. Alpine Wolf, I've got four fifty. Rebel Factor, I've got six fifty. The one I'm willing to take on here is First Accused, who's uh, $5. I just don't see how he could possibly beat the inevitable after the new market bear. He was blessed in the run he had the run of the race the gaps appeared and he he just couldn't hold off the little champ down the outside and and now you've got that weight swing so i think he's running for second at best i don't think he could beat the inevitable and i think if there's to be an upset it's one of those two i mentioned i'm
1: gonna have to disagree with you there snap um i think uh first q's form over 1400 is first class uh he's Raced a Caulfield against a horse called Diagula, who then sp four dollars twenty against Tuvalu, who's a Group One winner. So I think, although First Accused had every possible the other night, I still think the Wolf had as much chance to get past him in the straight. He wasn't able to, so I think the inevitable's main danger
0: tomorrow night is First Accused. So you had the Quinella in the near market. You have the Quinella in the concrete. Oh,
1: <laughs> sounds too easy, doesn't it? I, look. It's hard when you've got, you know, a couple of your horses in the race and we do all, owner, all owners are biased, but I'm just, just on form. I just think it's a little fella's race to lose. And I just think first accused out to 1400 maps really well. Um, his pet distance is 1400. His pet track really is Mowbray 1400. And I just thought if he got a really nice run on speed, he might be hard for the little fella to get past.
0: It's five starts at distance for four wins, and a second Do, um, blinkers on. Do you know if that's something that's been kept up your sleeve for this race potentially?
1: you have to ask the trainer that, mate. <laughs> Look, any horse that gets blinkers generally improves. So if you went in the same way you did last time, then you're not going to beat the inevitable. So Scotty's tinkered with things in the past and, you know, Who am I to question what Scott's going to do? He took the blinkers off the inevitable, which I personally thought was madness. And then arguably, he's had his two best runs he's had in three years in the last two weeks. So if Scott Brunton has decided to take the winkers off and put the blinkers on, then, you know, he's a bit of a guru, Scotty. So, yeah, if that's the difference in him getting really competitive with the inevitable, then I'm all for
0: it. We trust him. Uh, You've actually got another runner (coughs) in this race that we haven't touched on. the old boy Mandela Effect coming back as an eight-year-old. Widely publicised he hasn't won for a long time. But what are you hoping to see from him? He's uh, about $14 with lab breaks.
1: Yeah, it's first up $1,400. Um, I just said to one of the part owners, Andrew Eaton, this morning, not many horses to be running in the Conquering after having a trial over the jumps in uh, May. So I thought he was probably past his best when he came back from Melbourne. But his work in recent weeks, he hasn't had any official um, jump out, but his grass gallops of Hobart have been exceptional. He's actually surprised me. So um, maybe the trip away earlier in the year has really uh, given him a bit of a zest for life because uh, his work's been really good. And he he will run a race tomorrow night, so – Um, If he had any luck in running,
0: he could certainly be running home for your first fours. One for the multiples, Mandela effect. All right, Bear, uh, we'll put you on the spot. $100 betting strategy for the conquering. You've got the wood on me. You had 60 on the inevitable. We'll give you top tote for that in the near market. So (laughs) I think you're up to about 230, and I'm still on the duck. So what are we doing for the conquering? Now,
1: you can't copy me because I know you copied me last week. Stop shaking your head. Um, look, I hope lightning strikes twice. My daughter finished uh, kindergarten 12 months ago tomorrow. We sat at the back with a hurricane's flag waving it around and uh, the little fella got the chocolate. So hopefully it happens again. I'm going to have my $100 on the inevitable. $100 on the inevitable.
0: Uh, I'm not going to copy you per se, uh, but I'm, don't want to be going home a loser if the Inevitable wins the race. I'm going to have 60 on the Inevitable and $40 on Alpine Wolf. So I'm probably going to break even on the race if the Inevitable wins and uh, we'll get a nice little collect on Alpine Wolf. That is Alpine Wolf for the record, not Swoop Dog. <laughs> uh, I just think he he, he might, might still be anything, the Wolf. Whether he's good enough to beat the Inevitable remains to be seen. I can't see, Bear, I don't know. It probably depends a little bit what happens with some of the earlier favourites come race seven. I don't think the inevitable is going to start fifty or anything like that. I mean, we've seen, we touched on it last week with First Accused and the market just seems to love him. But I think there's probably enough uncertainty around some of the other runners that dollar $1.80 is probably the bottom you'll see for the inevitable and I can't see him really bottoming it out. Do you think that's fair?
1: Look, I think if Bello Bo wins the race before, I reckon the little fella might get into dollar 60, sixty-five. but, um, you know, the odds don't concern me too much. I just want to see the little fella get the chocolates.
0: Should mention he'll break a million in prize money too uh, if he wins that race tomorrow night, which is just, just, just a magnificent achievement. What, what did you pay for him from memory? I think it was a little bit, but... Yeah, not-
1: so we, we paid 90 plus GST, so 99. And I remember Scotty rang me. He goes, mate. I need you to help me out. I need you to help me sell some shares in this horse. And I said, mate, none of my boys are in that sort of league to want to pay that amount of money. But as it turned out, myself and Adam Upton and quite a few other guys were able to generate enough people that we had that many owners. We had to form a syndicate because there was too many. There was over twenty owners. So um, it's surprising, I reckon. The fact is, by Dundee, which was winning big races, sort of when a lot of our boys were like having a real interest in horse racing and to have a horse that's by done deal was probably the main attraction. And, um, it's quite funny. Cause when, when the horse arrived at seven mile beach, I kept ringing Scott in, he wouldn't answer the phone. Would you believe it? And, um, he eventually answered and he said, Oh mate, you can't come down yet. The, the horse is too small. Cause he was too scared to, cause we all wanted to go down and see this horse we'd paid all this money for. <laughs> And uh, we eventually got to see him about a week later and he's the size of a pony. So, um, yeah, we've been very – we're blessed, to be honest.
0: Well, you knew pretty early on that you you had something pretty special. I mean, the debut run was a bit sick in terms of the result, but – Oh, don't go uh, there, snap. he, uh, He quickly got that back and he's taking on a wild ride. So look forward to seeing the inevitable tomorrow and I think whatever beats him will be winning. Uh, we'll take a very quick break there and we will come back and have a look at a couple of the other features in Launceston.
1: Ladbrokes new bet ticket now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbroke
0: Acts. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The race before the conquering is the Steve's Liquor three-year-old trophy. And... What a race this is Bear. I mean, there was a little bit of speculation that the Bello Beau would go to the conquering. I would have been flabbergasted if that was the case. And he takes his place here in the three-year-old trophy uh, where he needs to beat a few horses. He would have seen a fair bit of at home. Bello Bo is the $1.80 into $1.70 favorite with Ladbroke's ahead of stablemate Jaguar Stone at $6 ahead of another stablemate, Sharma's last. At eight fifty, and then Pink Beauty is at thirteen dollars. I guess we've been waiting for this for a little while. Bear Bello Bo's just proven that he's better than him at twelve hundred. We now get out to fourteen hundred. It's a distance that the majority of this field haven't raced at. Um, where did you land in the three-year-old trophy? Do you think he just keeps winning, Bello Bo?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, as Brendan touched on, he's getting better with racing. He's an absolute pro. Um, I think this is probably the race of the night. I reckon this is a race that you can follow these horses well into the summer carnival, but I still think Bellow is obviously the one to beat. The market says that, and I love horses that just keep winning, and you know, there's an argument that he could nearly be seven from seven, so um, I know that Jaguar Stone keeps hitting the line really well, but the uh, Bellow Bow at the top of the number of the saddlecloth is just a winner, and you know, there is some nice horses, Canelian Bay, um, Moo Sharma's last, Flight to Paris, flying to Paris was good the other week, Jaguar Stone and Pink Beauty. So there's some good horses behind him, but I just think below Bo's class will, I think he eat out the
0: 1,400. Well, we talk about part-owning horses. So there's not many horses in this race that you wouldn't mind having a share on. This is an absolute beauty, as you say. The the three-year-old trophy. I mean, even if he took out Bellow Bow, this would be a cracking race. Uh, So we go back to the three-year-old cup, Bellow Bow led there, and he was too good. Uh, His last 200-metre sectionals on the Stride Master data, he ran home in 1185. The only horse that was better than that was Jaguar Stone at 1174. So Jaguar Stone was taking a little bit of ground off him late, but it wasn't panels. There's less than a length there, and, Jaguar Stone had the cushy run in behind. Bellow Bow's absorbing heat up on the speed. So to the point that you may bear, I think, look, 1,400's fine for him off that three-year-old cup run. Uh, I think he can probably cross them here, Bellow Bow. Reading between the lines, I think Brendan doesn't necessarily think the horse needs to lead. It's just through circumstance. That's what's happened to him here. We know he jumps. He puts himself there. He'll have a look. I think Pink Beauty and Flying to Paris inside him, maybe even Alvarino are the ones that he'll probably need to cross, but I think he'll either lead or, or get one off. And and from there, he'll probably just be too good. I had him marked slightly above even Money, Bello Bo, just because I think there are some queries here um, around the stable. Mate, Sharma's last is a, is a bit of a wild card, kind of smashed the clock on debut in Devonport and, that meant that the robots went bananas when the horse jumped out in Launceston. And I think you probably had a heart attack if you are on him. I think he's a hard horse to line up. Sharma's last from that gate there, drawn 10. Like, where, where does he get to? Is he go forward or back? And, and really how good is he?
1: Yeah, it's a sticky gate, isn't it? And, and as you touched on, the field's got a heap of depth. Um, just makes it really hard, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be... Yeah, I can't come at Sharma's last in this, but I still think moving forward down the track, if it draws a lower gate in a race like the Guineas, for example, if that's the way they go in three weeks' time, then it's going to be very competitive.
0: Yeah, it kind of creates a – this will just really set the appetite for the rest of the three-year-old races throughout the carnival. Uh, I'll put you on the spot, mate. Bello Bo, I assume you've got on top. Who's the danger and maybe who's the value?
1: Um, Cornelian Bay is that around
0: $15 still? Cornelian Bay, yeah, $16 with Ladbroke.
1: Yeah, I, obviously, I think Bellow Bay is the one to be, but I just think I think Cornelian Bay is probably going to be better suited at Hobart. But if it gets a nice run in transit, I see Jace Maskill takes over from a good gate, there's no reason it could run in the money. And, and Jaguar Stone's obviously always hitting the line well, so um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I've just i never been a real favourite punter, but I just think this Bellow Bow just keeps winning. So I don't want to just say another horse for the sake of it, because it's value. I just think Bellow Bow. And I i think, though, the form out of this race will really stand up over the carnival. So whatever runs well in this race, I think will run well through, whether it's the Guineas,
0: the Oaks, the Derby even. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bellow Bow, clearly the one to beat. Don't really want to chime into seventy, but don't want to lay it either. Jaguar Stone, love her as a horse. I just think she's going to be a better Hobart horse as well. Bear, she's kind of crabbed around the Lonnie track in the corner a few times now. And the one time she did race at Hobart, um, she really let down spectacularly. I think it was her debut. Uh, if this race was at Hobart, I'd be marking that pair a lot closer. I just think she's... Um strategically she's going to be giving a position in run again and not sure Lonnie's her track, Jagstone, but probably looks the likeliest, Quinella. Um, Value for me is a horse that we kind of highlighted when we picked five runners for the, for the Carnival Bear, Flying to Paris. I thought she was enormous uh, in the three-year-old cup. Three wide, no cover there on a, a decent speed. She comes up with a pole draw here, and we saw in the three-year-old cup, Uh, The Bokio, who drew a low marble, actually it was the pole draw there as well, just basically followed Bello Bow everywhere he goes, got the toe and ran into the minor money at any old price. Uh, I think Dharma has a look for the lead here on Flying to Paris. If he gets crossed, if he's lucky enough to grab the backside of Bello Bowe, well, again, just follow him everywhere he goes. And I thought at $4 a drum. She's the way that I'll probably be looking to play with a tiny win, more place type of bet on flying to Paris in a race that I think is a great one to watch, maybe not the easiest punting one to make a bit of cash out of.
1: Yeah, I agree. Nothing to add.
0: We'll have a look quickly at the other feature on the program and probably not a lot to discuss here because there's not a lot that's exposed. It's the $50,000 LAFM Alpha Bowl for two year olds over 1,100 metres. We've had. Two two-year-old races so far this year. Bear Liberty Ray won one of them, but unfortunately scratched here. And Encounter Sphere won the other one. Uh, the two horses heading the market, They were two horses that went uh, neck and neck in a trial the other week in Launceston. Thoris of Myrrh, uh, Adam Trinder, Brendan was 220 Cairns. In the star thoroughbred colours, uh, Dharma rides, Barry Campbell trains, 370. Encounter Sphere, 480. And the market's not really taking any chances. The others, a pair of GGs that tried against each other, GG Tycoon and GG Hailstorm, 950. And Need Sugars, 850 really hasn't been a fluctuation in this market pair, which I think is a little bit interesting in itself. I've had quite a few sort of random people tell me that Adam Trinder's got this smart two-year-old and and here it is, Thoris and Myrrh. Maybe a few punters were perhaps hoping that they might miss it and put up 3, 350 or something like that. At 220, it's probably been kept safe enough and maybe that's keeping people on their heels at the moment. Um I thought it, it it was clearly the pick of um, the trialers and, and the market says that.
1: Are you surprised they're sort of so close in the market off the trial?
0: I am, to be honest. So I, I'm pretty mm. bullish that Thoris and Mers are, are probably a good thing here in this race. I yeah. think from what we've seen at the trials, and you, you kind of take it on face value, um, I, I think he's easily the best two-year-old we've seen so far this season. I know he doesn't have race experience on his side, but with a pair of um trials and the Trinda McCool polish, I don't think he's going to be as green as GG Gemstone or, or anything like that. But um yeah, I thought Cairns probably shaken up in a couple of trials, has been kept very safe, that's for sure.
1: I'll be surprised if the fave doesn't start odds on. I think if you get a chance to go and watch the trial, you'll see how professional he was Brennan hadn't moved. Um, The jock on Cairns was niggling him a bit. I mean, Thoris of Mer look like a machine to me. Like the way he jumped and just sat up. I mean, if he can take his trial form into the race, I I think he'd be winning this. And I'll be quite surprised if he doesn't start around the dollar sixty dollar seventy mark.
0: Yeah, not sure it gets in that that short. But as I said last week, like. Who could tell where the bottom is in the market with some of these horses? Uh, I mark Doris Amur dollar $1.80. I think based on what I've seen, he wins this race more often than not and, and probably sort of 55 60% of the time. We'll learn uh, a bit more tomorrow though. So um, very interested to see... Um, what comes of, of this race. It's another one where we probably learn a little bit more. Uh, but big nine race card there tomorrow, Bear. We've touched on all the features where probably the favourites picked themselves. Did you find any more value in any of the sporting races?
1: Just a little bit in the last. I thought uh, race nine, number seven, I'm so cool, might strip a bit fitter. Um, it sat in the one one first first up this time and it probably condition gave out. And I noticed now T, it's it's been transferred down to Seven Mile Beach for the last uh, three weeks. So I think that might improve tomorrow night. Dave will just need a little bit of luck from the barrier, but it's around 7 or $8 and you can probably back it each way. So that's sort of the value I found on the
0: card. Yeah, it was um, sort of drifted like an absolute barge first up on So Cool. So I kind of subscribed to a similar theory to you that uh, maybe that horse needed the run. Uh Pretty keen on Nostra Bill, me, in the Maiden Class 1 over 2100. I think this horse is racing really well, just been back and wide in in races that haven't really suited that rate shape Uh, I think the horse is looking for 2100 Liam Reardon interestingly gets the ride visors off winkers on. I did see a a tweet earlier just before we recorded bear that there's a few Brendan McShane runners of which this is one and and stable main American jewels another that are going to be tried to be ridden a little bit closer in this race. So Looking for one that comes from a different form line outside. The race won by Rustic Charm a fortnight ago, which was really a, a bit of a raffle. I think Nostra Bill's a horse that might be on the up and racing in good form. So killing on him each way at $7. in. And what I thought was the hardest race of probably the Knights, which is race five. Uh, didn't mind Lady Joker here. I was lucky enough to get the cash on her two starts ago at Lonnie, on the quick backup from Devonport last Friday where she was back in a race run to suit the leaders. I uh, thought at double figures, has been nibbled in a little bit from 15, but still a bit of value there for Jay Maskill, who's got a pretty strong book for his return back to Lonnie Bear. Yeah, it's good
1: to have Jace back, obviously. Very good jockey and um, hopefully continues to come home over the carnival. Look forward to seeing him at the track and hopefully can boot home a few winners for the punters.
0: All right, looking forward to a terrific night of racing in Launceston, Bear. But uh, other than do our best to try and pretend we know what we're talking about with racing, we dabble in all other aspects of life, and we'll do so again starting with Bear's brief.
1: It'll be very simple this week. Um, I think guys like yourself, Peter Staples, Duncan Dornoff, do a really good job of promoting the uh, industry, giving us plenty of content. But I, I think and wish that the mainstream media should get on board a little bit more. Unfortunately, whenever there's any racing news in the media, it's from from a negative aspect. And I just think the way our summer carnival is shaping up that there is an opportunity to showcase all the good things about our racing industry. Um, You know, obviously I understand the jack jumpers of our main focus and I love the jack jumpers and what they've done for the state the big bash over Hurricanes is about to start. And obviously they're going to get a fair bit of media time as well. But I think there's an opportunity to really showcase the positivity out of the racing industry. I mean, during the footy season, there's always plenty of content on the news um, about the TSL, which I also think is a great product, but I just think there's an opportunity for the, the main sports reporters down here to really get around Barry Campbell, Adam Trinder, Scott Brunton. and, be on track um, showcasing the uh, magnificent animals that we have racing in Tasmania at the moment.
0: Well, the storylines kind of write themselves out of a meeting like this, don't, don't they? I mean, the inevitable chance to to crack a million in prize money, Bello Bo is unbeaten in Tassie, and, and Adam Trinder with the three sort of popular picks in that race. It, it, I guess it's that kind of stuff that you'd love to see on the, the nightly bulletin, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, and as I, look, I haven't seen anything on the news after the new market win of the inevitable. I don't know if you did, but...
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I'd like to think so, but um, yeah, it might have sort of just unfortunately slipped under the radar.
1: Yeah, and, you know, going forward, I mean, we're going to have a magnificent meeting at Hobart in three and a half weeks' time, which arguably one of the most competitive guineas that we've had in years. Um you know, the, there's obviously the wait for age race as well. And one of the, is it the summer cup on that meeting or the Brighton cup? Oh, yeah, I one think it's bright,
0: Brighton, then summer, I think.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's, you know, there's a chance to showcase what some, all the good things about racing is. And obviously racing gets a bad whack in the, in the mainstream media. I think it'd be great to have one of the journos jump on board and paint the racing industry in a positive light, which it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, well said. We'll keep banging the drum to, to try and make sure that occurs. Uh, Snapping special this week, just kind of a, a little bit of a, a plug for a couple of things that are happening uh, across all three racing codes. I appreciate this is a thoroughbred podcast, Bear, but uh, Taz Racing Form Plus Tippings is about to kick off. Round one will open on Thursday ahead of the Group 1 Ladbrokes Hobart 1000 Greyhounds. It's tri-code. Uh, includes the Hobart and that Guineas meeting that you were talking about, the Hobart Cup and the, the Guineas meeting as far as thoroughbred go, grand finals on Los Cup Day, free to enter, $10,000 up for grabs that you can win a share in. And SEN Survivor, who are great partners of Taz Racing and this podcast, uh, they've also got a Survivor contest on the Hobart 1000 and they'll be doing the same for devonport hobart and launceston cups where there's three grand up for grab so free to enter i know there's a lot of people out there that that love their racing and aren't necessarily big punters and it, it goes to show you don't necessarily need to be a lot of people don't like sticking their hand in their pocket and have a trouble with gambling i know sort of the the two go hand in hand but it's not necessarily the the case for everyone and, and contests like these i think engage a different racing audience. Um, keep people involved with the product without necessarily needing to tip their hand in the pocket. So keep an eye on the TAS Racing socials for SEN Survivor and Form Plus Tipping, and hopefully you can have a feel.
1: It's 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 funny, mate. Like I, every now and then I go on the Durham Park Tipping competition and it's worth a small amount of money, but it's just like the pride if you actually happen to win it. So I suppose the SEN Survivor competition is something very similar. Like you don't really have to – we don't put your money in your pocket, but – it would give you a little bit of your ego, a little bit of a stroke if you're able to uh, win the cash. And obviously, it's a substantial amount of money. So, um, as you said, just keep your eye out for, on the socials on how to enter and cost nothing to enter and it's a bit of fun as well.
0: Get involved, that's for sure. Uh, we're next going to record bear ahead of the Sheffield Cup meeting, uh, which is next Friday week in Devonport. But we're also racing in Hobart on Sunday uh, very strong nominations, one hundred and thirty six spread across an eight race program. is the headline where we see a few horses coming by the near market and maybe keeping themselves ticking over ahead of the Ladbrokes carpet charge bear. Yeah,
1: absolutely. it's a to they'll be wrapped with the uh, the nominations that they've received. Um, that's a cracking race, the Winsenberg. I see Liffy Bow, I mean, I know he's old, he's nine years of age, but he's running the new market it was unbelievable. Um, so you think he'd be hard to beat. I see Algernon is down to resuming the minimum. He loves Hobart and he's got to be a chance, but there's a fair bit of depth to this race, so it's really exciting.
0: Yeah, it's a beauty. So we'll cover that in our review on, on next week's pod. Uh, Thanks to everyone for listening, and it's been another big show, but uh, a lot to cover, Bear. Best of luck to you and and everyone that's listening for what shapes to be one of the real highlights of the the whole carnival, I suspect.
1: Yeah, thanks, Snap. Yeah, as as we touched on before, I think the three-year-old race is the race of the night, and I think whatever happens in that race tomorrow night, I think if you follow those horses, you'll be getting some winners in the coming months.